Well, a win's a win, and the Crows got up in a gritty effort over a Carlton side playing like a bunch of escape prisoners. Join the crew as we review the win over the Blues, have a chat with Hank93 on Board Talk, and we welcome an extra special guest, Luke Brown from the Crows, who joins us for a quick chat. We've got our full team back and we'll be better for the run. This is Crowcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of podcast of Crowcast tonight. Um, obviously, we don't have a, a game to preview this week, but we do have a special guest lined up for a little bit later on, so that's something to look forward to. Also, if we can catch up with him, we've got Hank93 lined up for board talk tonight, and as well, we've got a pretty gritty win against Carlton to talk about. So before we get into all of that, I'll say good evening to everyone. We've got Danos. How you going, mate? Good, thanks. Good to be back. First time in nearly a month, so... Yes, mate. Keen and ready to go. Yeah, we've missed your your stats, mate. So have I. (laughs) And we've got Waffle. How you doing, mate? Fine. Good, Phoenix. Good good. to see uh, Daniel's back. Absolutely. And the inimitable first lady of the Crowcast... (laughs) So you mean the only one? Uh, well, you know, I was trying to... That can be up. debated. I could be a lady. You could be a lady if you want to be a lady. Sometimes I don't want to be a lady. Let's call me Bruce. How are you going tonight, Nikki? I'm going very well. Very good. Well, without further ado, we'll throw it over to you, Nikki, for Nikki's News. Well... The big news, unfortunately, was related to our game on the weekend with Chris Judge. Uh, Chris Judge. That's not his name. Chris, he's an actor. Chris Judd. Um, announcing, Judge. <laughs> announcing his retirement. Um, so, unfortunately, um, he, uh, in the case of another Carlton midfielder tangling with Dangerfield and coming off second best, um, it's not the way you want to see a player go out um, who's had an extraordinary career like he has. I think a lot of us would all agree we've been very lucky to have witnessed him um, and what he's able been able to do on a, on a football field. He, he really is one of the modern greats. And I have to say to all of the Crow supporters who were there on the day, um, that was um, that show of respect um, that they showed was, was quite amazing. Such an innocuous incident as well, you know, just a... Yeah, a bad landing and you know, sprigs get caught in the in the ground, and that's the end of it. And I think what is it? He did his medial as well as his ACL. So yeah, that's just a a horrible, horrible way to go. It is unfortunately very rare that somebody gets to pick and choose when they retire. It's often cases of um, instances like this that that kind of uh, make it so. Uh, not many people have an ending like um, Truck did with being able to kick a a goal with his last kick to match his goal with his first kick. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just it's kind of it's quite sad in a way. Well, I think a lot of people thought this would be his last season anyhow. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's not very nice at all. And we wish him all the best for the future. It's interesting to, to read today that in his conference he said um, 
that in retrospect playing on this year was a mistake. Well-intentioned mistake. Yeah, I think he was kind of talked into it a little bit because he, he did have quite a few injuries last year. Um, and the, those hamstrings, once you start getting those hamstrings when you're a bit older, they're, they're, they're always going to flare up again. Oh, yeah. um, he, he did have some really good form at the start of the year, though. Yeah, he did. Um, but whether that's also a bit of freeing up, because in whether in his own mind he kind of thought, "Yep, this is this is my last little bit," so I'll just. In uh, Asada news, they actually met today to talk over penalties for Stephen Dank for the ten charges he's been found guilty of. He didn't turn up. He didn't send a lawyer representative at all. Um, and they heard submissions and the chair of the panel has um, decided to take some time to reserve his judgment on what the, what the penalties are going to be on that. So, yeah, it, it could be the possibility is because there was trafficking and other things that he, he should get the uh, ban for life. But we all know he's already trying to appeal it even before um, the penalty comes down. Cue Benny Hill music. Yeah, that's just like, oh, yeah. Water's taking care of it now. <laughs> Another little kudos I, th- I think needs to be given out is probably to the football community regarding um, the freeze MND and what happened over the last week and a bit um, to do with that. With over $2 million raised, absolutely amazing um, work um, that's gone on there and, and just some generosity from a whole lot of people. And I've just loved listening to, to Neil um, a, a couple of times this week. You can kind of see what, how he got that nickname of, of the Reverend and, and why he was beloved as much as a, a coach as he was um, at Melbourne. Um, so that kind of leads into the num nut of the week, which definitely has to go to Gary Lyon and J- um, James Brayshaw, who decided that um, we needed to apparently see Sam Newman in a mankini and also as part of this is the Channel 7 director who decided to show it in slow motion as he went into the water. That is a sight I never wanted to see in my life. It has been burned into my brain and I'd rather it wasn't. I don't care if it was for a good cause. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think anyone's got any arguments against that, Nikki. I think I spilled my coffee all over the table. When it happened. Yeah, I was disgusted. Some of the others were, I, I quite enjoyed some of the others um, doing it, but yeah, not that one. Nope, <laughs> not at all. And um, I was wrong last week because I said I could see that Fremantle could almost be going through a season undefeated. Uh, well, that's definitely not the case. And it appears that Michael Johnson, who only lasted a couple of minutes into his um, 200th game, will be out for about 10 weeks with a very nasty hamstring injury. Nice way to celebrate. Yes, that that wasn't um, good. And in a way, I suppose that kind of leads into our game because watching Fremantle on Friday night, I started to get a little bit worried going, okay, this could be a little bit difficult the next day. Um, I think it's fair to say that our game with Fremantle, we pretty much beat the crap out of each other in terms of um, running. And, yeah, 
they were flat as a tack, weren't they? Oh, incredibly. And and making skill errors that you we haven't seen yet all year. But the other thing is that so Damien Hardwick, he really is a very good reactive coach. So if he's going to coach against a team and he puts a plan in place and he does that really well, he like the way they played against Port, they they broke down Port's game. The way, again, they played there against Fremantle, they had a plan in place which was all about reacting to how Fremantle play and restricting um, Frio's play. But I think this is where he falls down is that he can't, he's then not proactive. So he can't come up with a plan that's good for his own team to get them ahead. He always has to react to whatever the opposition's doing. What do you guys think? He coaches much like the way he played, reactive. Yeah, he's he's very good at it, but I think that's – I don't think Richmond are going to have um, success in the long run, just more because of along those lines. You've got to have a set game plan, and I think Walsh has got one, whereas Hardwick, it, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, well and truly. Like, I, I, I just feel like the, even the playing group don't – it seems like on – Certain weeks they don't know what game style they have to play or what they've got to do. Oh, and the other thing I, I heard during the week, which I found very, very amusing, was probably like the sledge of the week. And I can't quite remember exactly who it was, but it was um, against, they were playing, there was a team playing against the Bulldogs, and Bob Murphy's on. He's standing the mark whilst this player's um, having a kick for goal and he's sledging away. And one of the comments he makes, you know, um, referring to him as like being his team's the great white hope and everything else. So the player then kicks the goal, uh, walks past Bob Murphy and points towards the Bulldogs bench where Boyd is sitting and goes, and there's your great white hope. I think yeah, that, that was good. That was Jesse Hogan. Jesse Hogan. That, was, that is a brilliant, brilliant sledge. That's a sensational sledge. But I think that's kind of like the major things that's been going on around the AFL this week. Well, yeah, um, and it seems again like we've got a few more coming back. The boys that came back through the SNFL on the weekend um, pulled through okay and had reasonable games, so that's um, positive. That was very nice to watch that game, which it wouldn't be nice for you, but I quite enjoyed sitting there. Oh, it was good seeing us play well. I would have liked the Blues to get up, but, you know. Oh, there was – it was one of those games where um, even when Sturt was having it in their forward line and they were passing around everything else, we were just waiting for them to stuff it up because it was just one of those games where they were just going to stuff it up. Even, like, going into a, an open goal, they would still find a way to not be able to kick it at times. Um the fact that we were once again down a rotation in the second half, which is when Sturt got their run on um, for a little bit, but we were able to just, you know, always have an answer for them was really pleasing to see. Who was it that got injured, Nicky? Sure. Um, oh. What happened was him, and I can't remember who the other player was. It was one of our players. They both were contesting towards a ball. Um, he knocked his head immediately went to ground and he's lying on his side um, and sort of like kicking his legs a little bit like, oh, and hands on his head. And I'm like, oh, great, another concussion, just what we don't need. 
Out comes the trainer, the doctor, the stretcher started to come out, play had been held up. And then Shaw gets up, waves them all away, um, goes and stands on, on the goal line um, because there was a, a free kick um, to Sturt. They have a kick towards goal. He actually did contest um, and did manage to punch the ball, um, but then he immediately ran towards the bench and I just thought, yep, you know you're not right. Um, so it was kind of good to see that he knew and he went off and he wasn't sighted again for the last little bit of the second quarter and then, yeah, he didn't come on at all um, in the last half, uh, which meant, which is why O'Brien had to go up forward for a little bit for the little rotations that they were doing um, uh, between him and Osborne. Douglas is so ridiculously above the level of the SNFL. It is not funny. Um, yeah, just watching him play. Um, Lyons was quite rightly best on ground. Some amazing clearance work that he did. Um, Crouchy, I think there's been a few, a bit of discussions about um, how many handballs, et cetera, he was having. It was a really heavy ball and it was really wet and even though it didn't rain, it was a very heavy ground. It was very slippery. Um, I have to say kudos mostly to the umpires because they were umpiring as if it was a wet weather game, which was pretty much how it was. So a lot of um, normally you get a very quick holding the ball call when it's a dry day. They, they were giving it a bit more leeway the way you should um, umpire um, in wet conditions, even though, it, yeah, as I said, it didn't rain. Um a lot of them play. It was very interesting. Our back line was really inexperienced. So the only AFL listed players when she, when Shaw was down there was Shaw and Wig from memory, although we were sometimes running Atkins off that half back line um, and sometimes Knights. But it was pretty much our um, top-up guys, and they did a really good job. Um, I have to say Sam Pfeiffer did He's got a great leap on him and um, a really good timing for punches and, and things like that. But, yeah, our midfield was ridiculously above um, everything else. And, yeah, O'Brien, in, in the first quarter, I think he lost two taps. So, obviously, they didn't have the umpires from uh, our AFL game on the weekend. It sounded like they were a better standard of umpire. Uh, not if you ask the Sturt supporters. But some of those Sturt supporters had to learn what the rules were. Um, and then what I what I thought was really interesting after watching the AFL game was what I noticed was when we had um, a defender from the opposing team kicking sort of like out near the goals or whatever, we not only had the one person on the mark, we then had on the arc just to force them to stay out wide, we had always had another player. And then in the SNFL, we were doing exactly the same thing. So it's really nice to see that there's that flow-on effect that we are very much trying to play our AFL game in the SNFL. Um, so we're using it as that, that development um, as, as we should be. Um, seeing Riley Knights and Atkins live for the first time this year, yeah, there's definitely something um, with those two, that, and I can see them both getting a call up in the AFL at, at some stage this year if, if they keep on um, with how they're going there. McGovern definitely has – he's there's, there's very much a nice little X factor there. We had some really good, great contested markers in that forward line. So you have McGovern, 
um, Osborne. Pods was just marking everything that came his way when he wasn't getting pushed in the back or whatever and whinging to the umpire about it. Um, who else was down there? McGovern, Osborne, Pods. Oh, Ramsey. Ramsey, because we had Pods playing deep, Ramsey was playing centre-half forward. Um, and that was keeping him more in the game. Um, and and he had a lot more free roam. Um, and where previously I've seen him, he lapses in and out. Um, he was pretty much staying a lot more in the game, um, which was really good to see. And, um, yeah, a couple of nice things from uh, Wilson. We saw his speed at one stage, which was just, it, it is just ridiculous. The first time when he did it and he kicked and it wasn't a good kick, the second time he had a similar run and obviously he'd learnt from the first time and so it was a better kick, um, the second one. So that, that's really good to see that, you know, that there's some learning going on even within game. Um, but, yeah, it was very nice to to have a nice win and a lot of the AFL guys were there too, um, which I think is probably a bit of a, a, bit of a directive um, or an encouragement from uh, Walshie. Support your mates. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, but very interesting though. Lever was in a moon boot. Yeah, they, they seem to do that fairly regularly with even sort of minor things, just to help with recovery. I don't, I don't, wouldn't see that as too big a deal. No, but it, it was kind of funny seeing because I could spot, I spotted Loudon because he's so much taller than everybody else. And then go, oh, yeah, there's Walshie standing next to him in his skitty jeans with his little man satchel. And then the other side going, also head and shoulders above everybody else's lever. You don't realise exactly how tall that kid is. He's quite tall. Um, so there was like Greg and Ellis Yolman and Charlie Cameron, Danger. Um, and on the way out, there was Laddie trying to be very silent and ignore the fact that Yanch is talking a mile a minute to Otten's. Um, Yanch does not shut up. He's worse than me. Um, that's what I noticed on the way out. Poor it's a bit cold. Oh, no, trust me. <laughs> he was just the whole time we were having I'm just sitting next to him, just going, oh, man, you don't shut up, do you? You bring up dogs with Genji and you've got a friend for life. He, he won't leave your side. He could talk all day about his dog. Oh, he loves his Jeffrey. <laughs> so, in your opinion, Nikki, do you... Crouch and uh, Dougie, you need another week in there, San NFL, or do you reckon they'd be ready to go against Hawthorne? Oh, Dougie, probably not. Crouch, I think he could come in. Um, his kicking, I didn't see an issue with that at all. The It was such that tight in game. He Initially, when we were setting up, he was the outside player. Um, so that's where he was doing some which is very different than how we normally see him, but he was very much hanging back and it was Lyons and um, and Douglas, et cetera, who were being the inside players and then we swapped it. And so he then became more the inside player and hence all those little handballs that he did and some of them were absolutely fabulous and other ones were, yeah, we've got a team that doesn't quite fit up to his standards because he handballs forward to the advantage so a player can run onto it. Um, at full pace and with it being a little bit slippery, didn't quite work out um, a couple of times, but um, you can kind of see that he's he's very proactive in a way. So I reckon he might have one more game in the SNFL, but I wouldn't be surprised if Douglas comes straight in at all. All right. Well, that's a pretty good roundup of what's going on around the place. Nikki, thanks for that.
I guess it's no time. I guess it's time we uh, moved on and had a chat about the carbon plug. Good team. Good teams win ugly. A pretty fair effort under the circumstances, and given Frio gave us an indication of how flat we might have been from their game the previous night. Um, I, I think that it was always going to be a, a danger game, given the circumstances around Carl. Yeah, you knew they were going to come out uh, fully uh, switched on with something to play for for the John Barker. What had me uh, confused and probably the umpire's coach confused was some of the decisions being made on the ground. If uh, there's a couple of those umpires who should not be umpiring the AFL this week. It was bewildering, some of it, um, both teams, to be honest, but um, some very, very odd decisions or, yeah, and, like, non de- and non-decisions as well. Like calling play on, waving your arms in the air, actually physically saying play on so when Walker then runs forward, you then pay 15 metres for going over the mark. That's just bewildering. Yeah, yeah I'd. I mean, what the hell is going on with that? I just couldn't work it out. Yeah, I thought it was a ghost of Lee Fisher. Then you throw in Eddie's commentary and it's just like a game. You just, it was like a car crash. You wanted to turn it off, but you couldn't. I think think what was most pleasing, though, was how well our defence played um, in spite of what was going on and the fact that we still managed to win. Yeah, Hardigan stood up. I was quite shocked at how well he actually did play. I was quite impressed. Took a few really good saving marks in the def- in on the last line of defence. Yep, and probably maybe a match saving smother towards the end there as well. Yeah, that that was some a great play from him, and also Cheney, um, finally sort of getting back into being that that third man up, not playing on one of the tolls so much and. We saw his value with, you know, a couple of really good punches um, and things like that. I took lots of marks, lots of chop-out marks, and it shows you the value of having Hardigan in the team because then Chaney can play the role that he's most suitable for and, and same with Lever when he gets back as well. Yeah, I still feel, feel like we were that one tool short though. So um, hopefully Lever can get up for this week coming, especially against the Hawks. Well, it sounds sound by all sounds that yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. Um, they're just being a little bit more conservative about it, just considering his age and um, and they really want him to be a very long term player for us. Does Henderson come straight back in, or does he have a bit of a spell in the SNFL? I'd rather him have a spell in the SNFL. I think he needs it. So a couple of. Um... Standout performances, uh, obviously Josh Jenkins, and I'll be the first one to say he played very well. Um, and Sammy Jacobs, I thought was pretty strong in the ruck. Yeah, he'd had a he'd had a couple of pretty poor games. Had Jacobs, so it was good for him to step up and start um, actually performing in the ruck. See, even, even in those poor games, I thought he was doing quite well around the ground. Um, so, and he continued that on this week. But yeah, he was a lot better in the centre bounces. And Eddie had an off game, and we still managed to find a way 
to score, which was good like through Jenkins. So Eddie everywhere wasn't everywhere and someone else stood up, which shows we can do it. Well, we've always had a bit of a nice spread anyhow going on with, um, so like him and Cax getting like a, a couple of goals each anyhow. So it, it's that's quite good for our forward line that if we do have some players being quiet, others are now starting to step up. Yeah, and that's obviously what his goal is, Phil Walsh, is to have an even spread and um, a team contribution. And, you know, not everyone can be up at the same time. So when someone like Eddie has a, a downtime, we need others to step in uh, to the void. Um, I thought Tommy Lynch, although he turned it over a bit, I thought his lead-up uh, gives our forward line a, uh, an extra dimension, which we, which we miss when we haven't got that lead-up target. And Lady had another excellent game. He was fantastic. Bog for mine. Um, he, he just seems to be standing up week after week. Uh, I, I can't see how teams can, can keep overlooking him as pretty much needing a tag. He's been fantastic for us in um, first Brodie Smith's and now Yench's absence. It's just um, rebounding brilliance. Well, he's actually stepped into... Yenchi's role, pretty much. Um, and dare I say it, he's probably more effective than um, Matty is at that particular role because he provides a lot of defensive pressure that, that Yenchi doesn't give us as much. Um, and he really is giving us the same amount of rebound as well. And also Luke Brown, the, the job he did on Menzel. Um, I did see that somebody... Um, on the board was going through and saying who players, you know, which players in each quarter were good and average and bad. And in every quarter they had um, Brownie as only being average because they never really saw him do too much, but they either they also didn't see his play. Now, considering his player was Menzel and he ripped us to shreds last year, I'd say that actually pushes him into the good part, not the average. Yeah, I agree with that. Brownie's just a quiet achiever, four-quarter contributor. I I didn't think he was average. I think he he just goes about his job. He does it, and he virtually goes unrecognised because he's not extravagant as a player. And yet he was also there. He would leave his man to become a bit offensive um, to help provide that link out of um, defence where we really needed it when we were getting it out and then it was coming straight back in again. We were getting it out straight back in again. Forward line is still a bit of a worry. Tex is a real worry at the moment. Um, missing a goal from 20 metres out just indicates how short on confidence or something he is at the moment. Um, it, it's quite quite strange. Yeah, that was that was a little worrying to see. But it, he's still better than a lot of other forwards. That's... Um, around the league, that we're still getting a contribution from him. We all can see that yeah, he's not playing at his best or even close to his best, but he's still doing enough that he not hard. Does he deserve to be there? I would say yes, um, because we know that even when he's ha- having an off day, it's still a lot better than a lot of other players can do. It looks like he's carrying a bit of a weight around at the moment. I don't, I don't know. It's he seems subdued and, um, like, there was a contest very early on in the piece again, and the ball came in to his advantage um, with 
Cade Simpson, I think it was, coming in across the front. Now, normally, Tex would have just put his body in, protected the drop zone and taken an easy mark. Well, Simpson cut across the front and outmarked him or, you know, out-contested him. And um, I noticed afterwards Tex had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a sprayed himself about it and it, it just seems to be devoid of any confidence. He being too hard on himself is the question with the captaincy or trying to take too much upon himself and whereas he's not sharing the load as such or should be sharing the load with his other forwards and not putting so much on himself. And and that's only something that he can work his way through to 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 work through it himself. Yeah, I've noticed his chat's dropped off a bit as well. Um yeah, it just seems to be really in his shell um, and struggling with a couple of demons of some sort. Now, how's the uh, coaching when um, Simpson was pretty much ripping us to pieces and moved Van Berlo onto him? From the commentary, the thing that killed Simpson's momentum was being off the bloody ground for five minutes. Yeah, and how bad was that for Carlton that they could not find a way to get him back on the ground? That's what I was thinking. I'm thinking, John Barker, what are you doing? He's your standout player and you're just taking it off the ground and you're killing momentum the longer he stays off. And we'd put Lynchy down back to be the loose man in defence at that stage as well um, to, to help and stop that run. So when he did come back on, that's when we um, had VB sit on him and pretty much chopped him out of the game for the rest of it. I actually thought that Van Berlo, he reminded me of a batsman out of form that was just digging in and willing himself to, to find something. And I wouldn't mind betting that we actually see a bit of improvement over him over the next month or so from him. He just, I just got the impression he's, he's worked his way through a few things. Was that goal that he kicked the turning corner? <laughs> Tex gave him a spray for that one, or for what happened just before it. Yeah, and I think that was pure willpower, Van Bello. He was never going to pass that ball off once he got it. He, he was pissed at himself, I think, and he wanted to atone. And I, I don't know, I just gave him the impression that he may well have just turned a corner, hopefully. Because he'd made the mistake and he wanted to fix it up because he knew he'd made that mistake. And, you know, that's a really good character. I would also say I actually thought Dangerfield's game was quite good too. Yeah, his overhead marking at the moment is um, a feature. The last three weeks or so he's been taking a lot of contested marks and as well as his usual, you know, stuff, he's added that to his game and it's a real bonus. And what do you guys think of the return of Sloan? Oh, workmanlike game, but that's to be expected with Rory. Uh, you know he's always going to give 100% and he's always playing. You expect him to play well, but he did his job. I thought his handballs were just a little bit off. He didn't quite have the touch um, in a way, but his kicking seemed to be normal for him. And Brody, I thought, worked his way into it a little bit as well. Um, he copped a knock early again, and I thought he was going to get bloody concussed again, but thankfully he wasn't. But he, he seemed to find his find his feet, you know, throughout the course of the game. Yeah, he looked a lot better 
Um, he looked a lot sure of himself um, this time around than last time coming back and his kicking was pretty much what we expect from him. Any stats, Danos, that you'd like to bring to our attention? Any Anything of note? Um, I updated the stats thread. Uh, I can't think of anything at the moment. Our first consecutive wins at the MCG since 2009 or something or other? Against Carlton. Yeah. But we didn't win last year. 2011, I think we last won at the MCG against them. No, we played there last year and lost because I know I was there. 2011, I said, didn't I? Not 14. Anyway, so it was good to grind that one out, I think. Um, we're obviously, you know, staggering to the bye. It seems like mentally we're tired. I think I think certainly us and Frio, it was more of a mental tiredness than a physical tiredness um, that found us both out this week, but at least we got the four points. And interesting, Walsh, he said that he thought we're about where he, he thought we would be, um, but just one game, uh, one less win than what he was aiming for. We'll take that win. Which is a fair call. It's probably the Bulldogs game that he would have he would have penciled in. Yeah. Or the Giants game. Oh yeah, the Giants game maybe. So nice to see that a coach is realistic. Yes, it's a pleasant change, Nicky, to have a realist as a coach. Mind you, his realism was still very optimistic. Well, you've got to do that though. You got yeah. To... The alternative is to have a malt house that's all over the shop. Well, he was optimistic, and he was just way off the mark. Yeah, it's one thing to be optimistic and there's another thing to be writing a fantasy novel. Yeah, well, I mean, if if we were four and six rather than six and four and he'd been saying, well, we should have been seven and three, then it's a totally different story. He also said before the season started that he thought this would be one of the most even seasons that we've seen in a long time and he's been proven correct about that. Yep, that's true. It gets more difficult from here for us, that's for sure. Well, we'll really see what the boys are made of. These next five weeks are going to be crucial. We've got easily five games could be losses. Yeah, it's make or break the the middle part of the season, Um, which is why I think we've been fortunate where the buyer's place because we can regroup, get a couple of blokes back, work on our bloody foot skills, God help us, and hopefully hit Hawthorne next week uh, a bit refreshed. And it's a nice old celebration game as well. So they, there seems to be just a little something around the, the club as well on those, those sort of games. All right, well, that was the review of the Carlton game. Thanks, guys. Well, we're very lucky tonight to have a special guest uh, with us from the Adelaide Football Club, um, and we welcome Luke Brown to the show. Luke, I guess the first thing, um, how did you pull up from the weekend? Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty solid game in the end. Um, Carlton certainly brought it to us, and I think a few of the boys are a bit sore this week, and we had a, a tough training session today leading into the bye, so uh, we're just looking forward to this bye and freshening up our bodies now. And, getting set for the second half of the year. 
What I'm really interested in is what happened at the end of the game. I noticed Talia called all the defenders in and you had a bit to say as part of that. Are you able to let us know a little bit what that discussion was about? Uh, yes, it was just a bit um, bit to do with how the game sort of panned out and how we stood up as a group in the, I guess, in the last two quarters when the pressure is on, we were able to hold our hold our own and, and then get the win where last year we had a few close games where we, it was the other way around. So I guess it was just to tell us to bring us in and we had a few words to get to the younger boys especially that we're really confident in what they're doing and uh, we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, it was really pleasing to see. Yeah, no, we we really want those young boys to stand up now and um, we really need them. I think the depth was being tested at some stage and a few boys are coming back now and playing good footy. So as long as they're standing up and performing for us, especially in those tight situations, we'll, we'll be really happy. So Waffle used to play some juniors at, at Luke's junior uh, club, did you? I didn't play uh, juniors at Luke's junior club, which I understand was Tetri Gully. I played for a rival club, Ingle Farm, so I wasn't a big fan of the Tetri Gully boys. But... Oh. Uh-huh. But uh, I understand. Yeah, I know that you played the tree. I know the area quite well because I grew up in the area. But um, as a junior, did you? Uh, who did you support in the AFL? And have you always played down back as a junior? Uh, yeah, I guess I was. I played juniors at Tetrigale from about the age of five, and um, I ended up winning an under eighteen premiership as a sixteen-year-old there. So I was pretty happy with that, and. Um, as a kid growing up, I was actually supporting the enemy, so it wasn't wasn't the best team to support, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's all changed now, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. As soon as I got picked up for the Crows, the lines changed straight away. All is forgiven. Now, you were on the, the GWS list, that little selection list that they had, because we got you as part of the, what is, I think it was the Davis deal, so you and Brad Crouch. Was there any kind of... I don't know whether I don't want to say fear, but was there any possibility that you were going to end up as a GWS player? Um, I think it was a there was a pretty high chance I was going to go there for Adelaide. Um, obviously, I'm wrapped to stay home and stay in my town where my parents are and my whole family is. So I'm really really happy to be staying here. Uh, yeah, but there was a there was a strong chance that I was going to be going to GWS. But as a as a young kid coming up, all you want to do is play AFL footy. So um, couldn't be more happy with Aaron uh, now, though. And have you found it under Walshy, mate, as compared to um, um, Sando previously? There's been a lot for the group to take in in terms of structural changes and training, etc. Yeah, Walshy uh, brings in a lot of knowledge. He's been at a few, few different clubs now, so obviously with the assistant coaches that came in. So I think it's just the fresh ideas we've brought in, and um, Walshy's been really really hard on us and what he wants from us as a group and as a team and he also he's really fair as well so he treats everyone as individuals and um, doesn't single out anyone in particular and he just knows how to treat every person so that's the that's the best quality I have from Walshy and he's, he's a really smart guy and he knows what he's doing. Yeah I've noticed that we've structured up a lot differently than we have in previous years so I gather that's you know a new playbook and all that is that starting to bet in with the group now is second nature or is that still something that you have to sort of, you know, scratch your head and go, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing that now? Yeah, it's, uh, it sort of does sink in now that when something happens in the play, certain things, it sort of clicks in your mind to do something else. But um, there's still times when you do forget and it's hard in games to be switched on 120, 
20 minutes, which is the the key what we're trying to do. And we're trying to play 120 minutes of footy. And that's the hard job, trying, trying to stay switched onto the game plan that long. And I guess if one person reminds you doing it out on the ground, then everyone can remember. So that's the way we sort of go about it. And I think we've been doing all right in the first half of the year. We, uh, we're six and four, which is a bit better than last year. And we're on the, on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on that, the whole training and the, the few different things, this is something I've, I've seen that the AstroTurf's been put down on the shed floor, and I noticed there was a football oval marked out on it, but, of course, it's much smaller. Do you guys do, like, for training, do you um, go and stand on that? Do you do, like, little drills? And do you all feel like Sanderland standing on there because it's so small? <laughs> yeah, I do feel like Sanderland's out there. Um, we mostly use that just to, just for walkthroughs and getting our structures sort of set up so we can have a, a visualisation of what we're trying to do on a sort of, I guess it's a lot smaller ground. So um, we're just able to communicate a bit better up there and uh, we do our touch and craft sessions up there as well. So it's pretty handy having that up there. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a bit fun when I kind of saw it and I was like, okay. So I was, and I was trying to think what you could actually possibly do. They'd be very, very small little games if you did play on there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely for the communication purposes and trying to get our structures right. That's the, the main idea. Now, on that communication as well, Walshy said that he records every meeting that he has and then they watch it back afterwards. Does Have you actually ever witnessed that happening? And I just wonder whether you'd probably be conscious of it to start off with and then you relax and forget that it's being recorded. And has that devolved down into, like, the line coach meeting? Yeah, no, we, every meeting is recorded, uh, even our line meetings. So um, they get put on a on our uh, iPad so we can watch them back and just if we need to refresh our memory, we need to get the structures right. He's big on that and game knowledge. So, uh, yeah, every meeting is uh, filmed and we we certainly do know about it. No, I, I really like that, that idea because, um, yeah, as you said, it's, it gives you that little bit of refresh and something. So that's obviously something that's very different from what's happened previously. Yeah, it is a bit different. Um, we haven't had this much, I guess, game knowledge coming into us from the outside. So we have like the iPads now and they have all our, our reviews on it and our meetings on it. And so any any player, young or old, can go back and have a look. If they miss something, they can pick it up and even if they need to refresh their memory just for the weekend. So it's, it's definitely helpful. So I guess you touched on there's so much new knowledge coming in from outside. Um, uh, you've got the most to do, I guess, with Dasher. How, how have you found him over the last couple of years? No, he's been really good. He's a really supportive coaching. Um, you can talk to him about most things, and he's really smart as well. He, he came fresh out of the game, so he understood what the players are going through out there, which is really handy as well. Um, but no, he's been brilliant for especially the younger guys coming through and developing um, Daniel Talia as a leader. Um, he's stood up really well and I think most of the credit can go to Dasher and uh, Truck for that. Yeah, and on that, because didn't Dasher and Truck, were they having a goal-kicking competition for a while there? Did Truck actually beat him? Yeah, there was a um, players that coaching going on last year. I think, uh, I think Truck got up on, on the left foot, snapped from the boundary in that, that kick. So, nah, definitely did us proud. <laughs> Nicely done. Now, do you guys have anything more to do with Truck? I suppose with him now being the enemy co- um, coaching at Richmond, have you had any chats with him at all, or is it no? He's the enemy. Um, I haven't had any chats with him. I'm not sure the 
other guys have not, but I'm fairly sure he's self-focused is now in Richmond, and so it should be his coach. So we're really proud of what he's doing. He's a great coach, and I hope he does well over there. Unfortunately, it looks like we've got some technical issues there, and Luke's dropped out. So thanks very much to the Adelaide Footy Club um, for allowing Luke to make himself available, and thanks very much to Luke um, for giving up his time this afternoon apparently we caught him just after a drug test so we really appreciate it um it was awesome to have that interaction with the club and hopefully um we'll be able to chat to another player or two as the season progresses Right, so tonight we have um, someone from the board who um, is probably well known to most and is quite active um, uh, amongst the board and probably has one of the more interesting um, stories to tell. Uh, welcome to the show, Henry. How are you doing, Hank? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So we have uh, Danos, Nikki, and Waffle here, mate, to grill you. Um, I guess we'll start off with the obvious question. How long have you been on the board and what brought you there? Um, so I was recently looking at my profile. I cracked 10,000 posts today. Um, that was my last post about 10, 10 seconds ago was 10,001. So a, a bit of a milestone today, I guess. Um, I joined Big Footy October 2010. So I think that probably shows that I joined to sort of follow the draft. Um, and that was the year that we drafted Brody Smith. So I guess there was a bit of excitement around that. Um, uh, my other interests are the footy, footy Guernseys, a bit of a jumper nerd. Um, I play uh, super, super coach and dream team quite religiously. So I'm quite regular on those on the fantasy football boards. And obviously, um, you guys see my posts on the Crows board quite regularly as well. So um uh, it's very enjoyable, you know. It's always good to get a bit of a laugh or feel what other supporters are having to, having their say. Um, it's I find that, and coupled with social media, I guess as well. In regards to five, ten years ago, if you wanted to hear what people had to say on, you know, the football matters of the day, you really only had um, the journo's and sort of the football analysts. But these days, you've got other supporters um, from not only your own, your own club but other clubs, um, people on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you've got multiple football shows now. So I think I sort of I use all these different avenues in regards to getting my football fix, and some of them are funny, some of them are analytical. Other than just sort of a bit of time wasting, just to sort of take my time off other things, and um, I guess that's my sort of online story i guess you're a bit fond of twitter as well just a tad yes no i i've let me have a look how many times have i tweeted um it's upwards of sixty thousand, i think sixty-four thousand tweets so far so i turned on twitter i turned on twitter the other morning and there was literally about a hundred tweets just from you in a row yeah well that was probably the french open final i, was, I stayed up until about two thirty in the morning um in awe of uh, Stan Vavrenka's uh, four-set win over Nadal, uh, over um, Djokovic, sorry. Um, 
um, he played unbelievably well. Uh, being a being a tennis player myself, it was quite quite exciting to watch. But um, no, I, you know, Twitter is very entertaining, especially during football matches. It feels like you sort of, you know, it's, it's no different to big footy as well. But I think on Twitter, it's a bit more live because the responses come in immediately. Um, and uh, it's like watching a game with you know fifty or hundred people in the room together, and uh, the reactions can be hilarious. Um, one of my favourites is the the old mash tweet, where you just sort of you know get all excited and just type as many characters as you possibly can, because uh, you don't have enough time to really think about what you want to say, other than just that you're excited or angry or whatever. Um, but I use Twitter for sport, politics, news. Um, you know, uh, I, I like to find out what's going on, you know, around the world. And Twitter is, in my opinion, by far the best sort of medium to find out what's going on immediately. Um, hear what people have to think, have to say on whatever matter comes to hand. And with Twitter, I can sort of control what I read as well. So you know, I can I can sort of handpick who I respect and who I um, feel is. Uh, worthy of what they have to say, I guess. So, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoy all sort of social media platforms, whether that be forums like Big Footy or Twitter and, you know, Instagram. So, no, I, you know, it's, it's me. I, I didn't really get out that much in, when I was sort of at school. And I think now that Twitter is so big, it sort of enables me to interact with a, a whole lot of other people without really having to uh, leave the couch, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think we're all a bit fond of sitting on the yeah, couch. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But like, and a lot of the time on Twitter, and the same with Big Footy as well, is that you feel like you really know these people without having, without any, uh, without ever meeting these people in real life. Like, there's plenty of people on Twitter that I would know back to front and would feel like you know they're some of my best friends, but I've really only either met them once or twice, or never met them in my life, you know, at all. So um, uh, you read what they have to say every single day. And, um, you know, you, you're in conversation with them regularly and, um, you know, it's, I just find it very entertaining and, you know, it keeps, keeps me busy and, um, yeah, there's, there's many benefits to it in my opinion. So, mate, you touched on your tennis earlier. Do you want to expand on all of that? I can, yep. So um, uh, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair, um, had cerebral palsy from birth, and um, I started playing wheelchair tennis when I was about seven. Um, just at a after school, you know, sports program for people with a disability, and um, tennis was one of the um, activities that they ran there. And then, you know, gradually, once you start to do it a bit more and get exposed to the sport interstate, and um, I think I got my first sort of proper sports chair when I was twelve. Um, went interstate to Melbourne to sort of watch the Australian Open, um, and got in, invited to. Uh, a junior camp where there was probably 10 other players at the time under 18 and sort of started to get entrenched in the system. Um, you know, started to play a few tournaments when I was at that age, when I was about 12, 13, playing sort of second draw reserves, you know, the, the lower level just to get myself, um, uh, you know, play some competitive tennis without really getting smashed early on against some of the better guys. and. Um, once I started to become more regular with it and make it a bit more legitimate and um, an actual sort of profession of mine, um, 
started travelling overseas as part of the Australian junior team. Um, I went to the World Team Cup, which is sort of our version of the Davis Cup, um, four times um, with the junior team. We finished uh, second in 2009 and third in 2010 and 11. Um, so uh, tennis has taken me to um, Poland, Italy, Turkey, Israel, South Africa, France, England, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Townsville, New Zealand. So I've, I've certainly done a lot of travelling and um, for someone like me who can't play, doesn't have a lot of choice in regards to sports, um, uh, it's certainly get, get done a lot for me and met a lot of new people and represented my country and um, seen lots of different places. So it's, uh, I don't know what I would have done to keep myself really active if I didn't play tennis and it's a bit of a shame, in my opinion, that more people in my situation don't play sport because um, the opportunities are out there, whether it's with wheelchair tennis or basketball or swimming, athletics. Um, I, I would have to assume that there'd be more people like me who are both uh, have a disability and uh, you know love their sport but don't really know that these opportunities exist. So um, I, I don't know whether the promotion isn't good enough or... Uh, whatever the reason is, but it would be nice if more people uh, participated in it because there's there's huge benefits to um, doing what I've done. So, and I'm uh, got another trip organised for a few weeks over in South Africa again. So, um, looking forward to that. I think I miss one home game, so that's not too bad considering sometimes when you're overseas, you might miss three or four. So, um, uh, don't miss too much of the footy schedule this year. Well, the good thing is you'll still be able to tune into the podcast, mate, so you'll be able to catch up pretty easily on all the important opinions. Well, you're doing, you're doing better than me because I'm missing two home games. Okay, yep. I think last year I only missed the Port. Last year I missed the Richmond home game for a party and the Port uh, home at the first showdown last year because I was overseas, but I attended every other one. So I didn't do, didn't do too badly last year. and. Um, uh, that being said, I missed the grand final. I was overseas then as well. So I sort of, I was fairly happy that I didn't find out the score and that I was able to watch the stream after the game finished back in my hotel room. So, you know, even though I'm a Crow supporter, I've always loved the grand final day and watch the breakfast and sort of eat into it. So that was a little bit unfortunate. But um, I guess for my sake, it was good that it was a, such a terrible game because I didn't really miss out on much. So, um <laughs> Uh, it was over by, you know, obviously 20 minutes into the first quarter. So, uh, but, um, yeah, no, I sort of, and I always buy the, when I'm, whenever I'm overseas, I, I try and buy the, um, the online, uh, the AFL overseas streaming site because it's reasonably reliable as long as you've got an internet connection that's adequate and um, it's not too expensive. You know, it's, it's more reliable than illegal streams, I guess. I don't know if we're allowed to promote that on this, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're all about the illegal stuff, yeah. mate. <laughs> you know who else was the uh, grand final too, Henry, don't you? So what was that? You know who else was the grand final last year? He would have been devastated. Oh, no, exactly, yes. No, I was um, uh, I was at the tennis courts at the time, so I didn't, um, didn't run the video stream, but I did have, um, uh, I bought a, like a, 
uh, 3G package that was like 15 bucks or whatever. So you, you had like 100 megabytes for the day. So when I saw the scores were close, I decided to sort of tune into um, uh, Triple M to listen to the last five minutes. And it was certainly a, uh, oh, it was an exciting finish. But um, I think uh, it goes to show that you shouldn't try and play Hawthorne in a prelim Saturday twilight because generally the year after you uh, start to struggle. So um, uh, it's quite eerie how both teams had exactly the same scenario and 12 months later they've um, struggled. So um, I have the impression also, uh, someone told me, that you have some... um, some leanings towards the journalistic pursuits of you. What have you done with that, mate? Am I on the track there? Uh, so I finished my degree last year um, at UniSA and, um, uh, you know, when I, I guess I sort of, like a lot of journalism students, I probably went in there with the thought of, you know, getting paid to watch sport and how luxurious the lifestyle it would be and, um uh, the only thing you really want to do is just go to the MCG and just get paid to write about the match on the match on hand. So, um, you know, the more you progress through the degree, the more you sort of feel that it's, it's slightly harder than you envisioned. Um, but uh, so at the moment, I'm probably more leaning towards that social media um, sort of uh, journalism within house, if that makes sense. So like, more doing media work for like sporting clubs or charities, um, stuff like that. So um, currently I'm uh, volunteering at Amnesty International, um, promoting their, you know, campaigns and activities and events that we run here in South Australia. And um, uh, that's sort of, I guess, something that keeps me busy at the moment. Um, And uh, I just saw about an hour and a half ago, Adelaide Oval tweeted that they're looking for a new communications uh, applicant. So um, that sort of pricked my finger, uh, sort of interests me when, when that came up. So I don't know whether I'd be successful in that or not, but um, when those sort of opportunities come up, I guess you sort of have to take it. So um, uh, you can't let these sort of opportunities slide by, I think. Well, you certainly don't have any problems with communication. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> nice one, Dan Oz. <laughs> okay, that's under the carpet. <laughs> I thought Waffle was the one that came in with the one-liners. <laughs> um, so, Hank, where where comes from your love of the Adelaide Crows? Um, so, uh, Dad followed Glenelg. Um, my grandfather played for Glenelg. Um, he didn't play many games. He probably played, I think, 10 or so back in the 50s. Um, so, I guess the transition from Glenelg to Adelaide was fairly... Um, you know, similar to a lot of other pro supporters, as is, you know, Nord and some of the other rest NFL clubs. So, um, unfortunately for Glenelg, though, that when the Crows came into the competition, they took about half of Glenelg's players. So, um, uh, outside, of a few years of the late, outside of the late 2000s, Glenelg really hasn't had any success since the Crows came in. So, um, uh, but, you know, I, I probably would say that I'm more of a Crows supporter now than a Glenelg supporter, but, um, uh, uh, I think I can remember um, the 90, I think the 97 grand final, my auntie had a wedding that day, but um, I couldn't miss it. So I brought in like a portable TV to the wedding, to the church. Um, and then I became a member 20, 2010, I think. So, I mean, I'd been a Crow supporter my whole life, but um, 
didn't really attend many games until 2010, and now we've been. Um, uh, I think we were we had seats behind the goals at Amy Stadium in 2010, and then ever since then we've been in, in the um, the Western Stand, whether that be at Footy Park or Adelaide Oval. So, um, uh, you know, that's 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 I guess my crow story. Um, I don't attend many away games. I think the only game that I've ever seen us away was 2006, and considering that was such a good year, it's pretty unfortunate that I saw us lose. So, um, but I'm looking to go to the Swans game this year. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of Crow supporters that want to do that as well. Um, so hopefully we can get a big atmosphere there so that Tibbet feels like he's back at home uh, or back at Adelaide again. I will, I will certainly be at that game, Hank. Yeah, there, there'll, be a, there'll be a feral contingent from the ACT. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. they will. No, so I, I, the only... Uh, logistical problem maybe will be that um, the game's a 440 game, I think. So um, there's no flight back to Adelaide that night. So I sort of have to find out whether I get a hotel or um, stay at someone's place for the night or not. But um, no, I don't really want to miss that game. I think I, I would like to do more away matches. And with having the um, Essential Crows membership, I probably should do it more often considering I get free access to... Um, uh, the MCG, so I could have been there on the weekend. Well, it would have been highly frustrating. We did get the chocolates. So, um, uh, but the Central Crows membership is, you know, pretty good from an interstate perspective. I used it a couple of times last year. Um, went to Carlton, Essendon, and Hawthorne, Geelong, and scanned in in the AFL members area, and you can sit wherever you want. And um, for three hundred and fifty bucks or whatever it is, it's reasonable value if you're wanting to go to Melbourne regularly. So um, uh, that being said, it's tricky from from a wheelchair perspective with that membership. It's um, There's plenty of wheelchair spots on level one in the Western Stand, but there's bugger all up the top. So you sort of don't have much choice if it's going to rain. So, um, uh, but, you know, it has its advantages. So turning our attention to the board, mate, um, Give us an idea of the sort of people you identify with and then perhaps one or two that um, make you want to throw something at the computer. Um, I think I've always sort of felt like I've always, you know, like with politics, it's either left or right. I think with the Crows board and probably many other boards on Big Footy, there's sort of the the positive brigade and then the negative Nellies. And I sort of feel like I, I want to say that I'm in the middle. I don't know whether I am in the middle or not, but. Um, I guess I like probably my favourite is is Carl, um, not because he's probably more in the negative column over the last couple of years, but I feel that he at least sort of provides quite a good reasoning to his view and um, analyses the situation quite well as compared to a lot of other people who just seem to slag the club off with actually no no reasoning whatsoever and they just sort of jump on any sort of any sort of issue that has um, arisen in the last you know 10 years or so um, so 100 years sorry 100 years yeah 100 years that's it yeah so I mean I, I've got no problem with holding the club to account and um, I'm I'm the first to sort of uh, maybe not the first but I will call out if we've done something wrong that it deserves to be whacked. And, you know, I, I love the approach that we're having now that, you know, 
losing isn't to be tolerated and we are on a path to success in the next couple of years. But um, I think some of the, the, the people in the negative column are probably too negative and too quick to judge that, to jump to that judgment as well. So, um, yeah, that's my assessment. And then my cat just joined me on next to the computer too. <laughs> wondering what, I wonder what that was. was. Yes. There's a little bit of At least it wasn't my cats disturbing the podcast this week. So, mate, I don't know how much you've listened to us, but um, sorry, just dropping in and out. No, there. no, no. Oh, sorry. No, that was probably my cat dropping to the ground. Yeah. More so than me. Um, yeah, I don't know how much you've listened to us over the last little while, but we do a um, under the grill section of board talk where we give you some very personal and hard-hitting questions, mate, and leave you sweating. So are you ready for that? Oh, sounds good, yep. Okay, so the first one is your opinion. Do you think Dangerfield is staying or going? Um, I think... Oh, I'm going to say going only because of the way that he answers the questions, especially the recent one when he was on 5AA. And they asked him, I think it was two or three weeks ago, and he said, I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. And I'm going, so there's a, you know, $1.2 million offer over five years, um, and you haven't even thought about it. I think he's sort of boxing there. So um, I would like to think that he's tossing and turning over it, but just the way that he's answering his questions suggests to me that he's probably already made his mind up. Okay. Now, if you had a duffel coat and you could put anyone on the back of it, footballer, celebrity, whoever, who would it be and why? So if I had a – you mean like if I put the, put the number the old, on the back of my shirt? Yeah, back in the old days, mate, we used to wear duffel coats to the footy. He's oh, too yeah. young. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh. we used to put our um, favourite player's name on the back and number and all that. It has to be football, does it, or something else? or No, Any, anyone you like. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll probably stick with tennis. I'm, I've always been a bit of a Roger fan, Roger Federer. Um, not necessarily because of his personality or anything, but just the fact that we're sort of in this era of unbelievable history and, uh, you know, I, I would like him to stamp his authority on that greatest of all time tag and he got so close to winning an 18th major last year at Wimbledon and he's starting to maybe drop off a little bit again this year. So, um, but, uh, you know, there's, yeah, I guess he's my favourite athlete. Um, for the Crows, it probably would actually be Patty, but um, that might change at the end of the year. Hopefully he can stick around, I guess. Federer would be the last of the single-handed backhanders, wouldn't he? Um, no, well, I think, um, again, on tennis, like it's a lot of people seem to jump to Federer because he's so good, but his backhand isn't anywhere near as good as the guy that just won the French Open on the weekend, um, Stan Wawrinka, who yeah, hits the ball. His, his, it's, his ability to hit the ball so hard, not only like on the backhand side, which is the weakest side for most players, but from the positions that he does as well, like five, ten metres behind the baseline and um, just flicks of the wrist is quite incredible for a human being. And when you look at him, he doesn't even look strong either. Like his arms are not bulky or um, – so it just shows you that when you get the timing right and you get the, you know, the momentum in your swing, anything's really possible for um, 
and then, you know, in football, it's probably Brody Smith's a good example of that as well. Like he's he's actually got fairly skinny legs, and yet he can beat the ball 65, 70 meters. So um, if you get the you know if you get everything working, it can it can be pretty powerful. Yeah, very true. Now we have a um, a very um, important question here, and and the moderators have a vested interest in in your answer. So be careful. Well, one um, moderator. One moderator in particular, yeah. Oh yes. Um, Kylie or Danny, mate? Who's your preference? <laughs> oh, oh, let's go with Danny. She's more on the TV. She's more on TV these days, isn't she? Some of the reality shows, I guess, reality singing contests. Oh dear, Henry. <laughs> bad, no, Henry. Like bad. Now, Very bad, Henry. We have the ability to edit here if you'd like to rethink your answer. <laughs> Exposed to that music that much back then, I guess. When when were they big? Probably late. Early 2000s? I don't know. Late 90s for, uh, late 80s, 90s for Kylie. Uh, early 90s, 2000s. Yeah, see, for I Danny. would have been about five then, so five, ten years old. So, um, and I'm not not much of a music and person either. So I, I, you know, I probably reluctantly answered that question then. And the 80, the 80s for Danny for um, Young Talent Time. Yep, uh, Nikki, we're changing our name to Fossils. <laughs> yeah. How do you reckon I feel? You're already in the nursing home. Uh, thanks, young fella. Um, yeah, see, really it is a, a blonde v brunette um, question, Henry. So, uh, yeah, but you've fallen on the side of the uh, big fella, so oh, you won't okay. get red carded for a yeah. little while now. There you go. Now, if you could meet one poster from the board, who would it be and why? Um, I'll probably go back to Carl because he's so secretive of his, of his identity. Any time that he's been requested to, um, you know, appear on podcasts like this, he declines. And um, I can remember when we had the uh, the meeting with Fagan. You know, they were intending on having all the moderators go to that as well, and he declined on that as well. So I guess it's more just an an intrigue as to. I don't know. I'm a lot different to a lot of people. I know, like a lot of people on there, like to be quite secretive, and you know, I don't really care if people find out about who I am and whatnot. So uh, I'd just be intrigued to find out, you know, why he doesn't want anyone to know who he is because he's quite forthright in, in his opinions, and um, certainly lets everyone knows what he thinks and why he thinks it, and um, is very, you know, witty in the way that he's he writes as well. So. Um, yeah, so I think it's a sort of an interesting, interesting story in regards to that. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'd probably get along with that actually. Um, now, and the last question: um, Do you think we're going to make the eight? I think we will. I think our draw is friendly. Um, I think our double up teams are Geelong, Brisbane, uh, Gold Coast. Is that right? Geelong, Brisbane, Gold Coast. Port and someone else. Um, West Coast. West Coast. Yeah. Okay. So I think I mean there's quite a few teams there where we can drag uh, snag some double up wins there. So um, we're six and four already, and we're starting to get our better players back as well. So I, I would say that we probably sneak in maybe I don't know seventh, something like that. Um, whether we can do any damage in the finals, I'm not sure, but. I think the way that Walsh has been talking in the media, it's not really about this year anyway. It's more about building towards 
16, 17, 18. So um, uh, as long as we are pushing towards a flag and not sort of treading water like some other clubs are and like we have for years and years, um, that'll do me, I guess. We're just treading ice baths. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, mate. Well, that yeah, that's was, it. That, that was awesome. Thanks so much for giving us an insight into your pursuits and uh, into your life, I guess. And um, you know, albeit very odd opinions on brunettes and blondes, <laughs> but you know, nobody's perfect. Yeah, we've so, got um, the redheads. No, I mean, if any very divisive issue, can. <laughs> Look, yeah. Oh, it, thanks for having me on. Um, no, good. No, awesome, mate. Thanks very much, and um, we will see you on the boards. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Henry. Thank you. Cheers, see mate. Ya. See you, mate. All right, guys. Well, that's it for another um, Crowcast this week. Um, awesome to have uh, Hank on, Hank93, for Board Talk. And, of course, fantastic to have um, Luke Brown on uh, this evening um, from the club. So many thanks to the Adelaide Footy Club and to Luke for giving us their time. And hopefully we can have another player or somebody from the club on um, down the track towards the end of the season. So, guys, um, it's goodbye from me. And have a nice bye week. See you later. See ya. Good evening. See you later. Good morning. I'm so glad that she's my little girl. She's so glad she's telling the world that her baby finds the things you know. This has been Crowcast, brought to you by Casmar Event Technology for your live production and studio recording needs. See you at the footy in a fortnight. Me and I feel fine.